Welcome to the Wine to Us podcast. My name is Janine and I run a wine events business in Canberra. But my real passion is travel and my bucket list is to travel to every wine region in the world. In this series, I'll be exploring some regional Aussie wine destinations. I'll give you some tips whether you're planning a romantic getaway, a girls weekend, or you're dragging the kids along. Pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. Hi, Wine Delusters, and welcome to Series 2 of my podcast. In this series, I am travelling to a few smaller and less known regions. Regions that are perfect to incorporate into your next beach holiday or that you can spend a few nights at in between capital cities. In this series, I'll be exploring the Granite Belt, which is up near Stanthorpe in Queensland, Hastings River, which is near Port Macquarie, Gundagai in regional New South Wales, and the far south coast of New South Wales, which I've seen referred to as the Sapphire Coast or Naruma Wine Region. Particularly if you're interested in trying alternative or emerging varieties, or you're wondering how the wineries are coping after the Black Summer fires last year, you're really going to enjoy these. But in this episode, I am talking with celebrity chef Paul West. You may remember him from River Cottage, Australia, but he has been super busy since wrapping that show up. Him and his family did move away, but the South Coast lured them back and he's now based in the lovely beachside town of Bermagui. In the past few years, he's released a cookbook, The Edible Garden Cookbook and Growing Guide. I have a copy and I'm a huge fan of it. There's the marinated skirt steak tacos that I put together for my family and even my very fussy son liked it. <laughs> and he's also the ambassador for the Naruma Oyster Festival, which is coming up shortly on the 30th of April this year. So I moved this episode up to the start so you can hear all about the Naruma Oyster Festival. I don't even um, really eat oysters, but I'm very enticed after hearing Paul speak about it. So if you're anywhere near the south coast of New South Wales or wanting to get in on those discounted flights to Marimbula, coming up for the festival would be perfect timing. I was really stoked when Paul accepted my invitation for a chat. Everything you have seen about him on TV, he was exactly the same in person. He was very warm and generous with his time. And I learned a lot about oysters. Like wine, they're influenced by the terroir, which I thought was really fascinating. I really enjoyed my time talking with Paul, and I hope you will too. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining me today. This is really exciting for me. I was looking through your edible garden cookbook and growing guide, and I've got my copy ordered. But I found I love that you've got growing gardens for all different sizes, whether you're on a balcony or got a big yard and all about the composting, because I'm trying to master composting. (laughs) Um, But I understand you're working on a new cookbook. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? I am. So it's uh, thanks for asking. and I'm glad you enjoyed the edible garden. Uh, So I'm working on another cookbook that, is still helping people to learn how to grow their own food. Um, I work with an organization called Grow It Local and they have identified that one of the major factors to stop people from growing food is they feel like they don't know how. And there's no no kind of ready or easily digestible resource. There's lots of materials out there, uh, but it's kind of hard to get a someone really holding your hand through growing food. So I, um, through the next book, I hope to continue to help people to feel confident enough to take on gardening. It's not like a master piece on gardening by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I think maybe that's what I found that a lot of gardening titles were kind of aimed at gardeners. You know, they're like really kind of these amazing uh, manuals, many of which I have, but for someone who's never started gardening, it's kind of like picking up a book on sailing. And, yeah, you know, it's that knowledge. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, what? The, the what? The, this? Isn't is that the rope? So... Yeah, it'll revolve around the four seasons because most of the people uh, 
that are my audience kind of live in the, the southern fringe of Australia, from you know, kind of Brisbane to Perth. So I'll be targeted about approaching your garden through the seasons and recipes and projects that you can do in relation to each season as well. Oh, that sounds excellent. Yeah. Oh, and that's out at the end of 2021? I hope so. Oh, excellent, <laughs> excellent. Perfect, just that's in time the, for Christmas. Yeah, that's, uh, well, it's certainly the aim to have it published uh, at some stage this year. So as long as no deadlines fall by the wayside, uh, I should be okay. Excellent. Well, that's, I look forward to that. Now, you're also the ambassador for the Naruma Oyster Festival, which is a local festival in the South Coast. Yes. Um, can you tell us a bit about the Oyster Festival? Well, it's a very prestigious political posting, being the <laughs> ambassador uh, for the Oyster Festival. I get Z number plates to drive around on the South Coast on. Uh, so, well, the Oyster Festival is uh, a celebration in Naruma of... Uh, the rock oyster, really, the um, which grows so abundantly along the estuaries of the south coast, it's really it's really a unique ingredient to this this kind of region. I mean, you can they grow all the way up the New South Wales coast, but the best ones are produced here, uh, and it's a local endemic species. So, mm. and it's such a you know oysters are kind of regarded around the world. They're in a similar echelon of as wine in terms of like being regarded as a, a gourmet delicacy, yep. you know. It's a, so the fact that we grow the best, arguably the best anyway, uh, it's worthy of celebrating. And I think a lot of people don't appreciate just how lucky we are here to have the oysters that we do. It's uh, to make a wine parallel, I like to compare it for people that it's like living in the Champagne region of France. You know, it's uh, we we are the champagne of oysters here. Oh, that's excellent! Yeah, <laughs> They're the best. Yeah. Uh, and not knowing how to shuck an oyster and living on the south coast is like not knowing how to pull a champagne <laughs> cork. <laughs> and so, what happens at the festival? So they have lots of different producers come. Yes. Yep. So they've got producers that visit from all over the south coast. Uh, there's workshops there's master classes on appreciation of oysters uh there's dinners there's music there's all the things you'd expect at a you know a fun festival so yeah lots to lots to kind of see and do and and i think the the one thing that i would recommend to anyone uh who attends the festival one attend the festival because it's a great day but if you do go um get a plate of the like multi get a multi estuary plate okay so it's like a like a tasting of it's it's the same species of oyster it's the rock oyster but um but you might get a couple from each estuary and you'll actually be able to see and taste the difference for yourself that that is like wine in that you can have the same grape in different localities and how they taste all a bit different and things oh that's really exciting that's really interesting well i know there's a, a a seafood communicator in australia called john sussman who actually made the parallel by coining his own term, miroir, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, because French, uh, the French word for ocean is um, mer, the yes. mer. So it's the, it's the effect of the, the salt water of where it's grown. That, and I, I've spent the last 12 months working on an oyster farm during the pandemic when a lot of my work, um, you know, my regular kind of work was cancelled. And it's true, you know, to understand that, that, the different uh, substrates, the different whether it's a sand or weedy bottom or a mud bottom or where in the estuary it sits, how much freshwater influence it's got, how much saltwater influence it has, right. how much tidal movement it's exposed to, all affect the expression of the oyster. And um, I don't, I didn't really have that appreciation for it. Uh, and I, and even going a bit further back, I never really had that appreciation for the oysters until I went to the oyster festival for the very first time and I had one of those plates, like a multi estuary yeah. plate. Uh, and I thought, oh, you know, 
it's probably going to be really subtle and life like oh yeah well that's so different but they were actually markedly different wow so do you have a favorite a favorite yeah Wappingo, of course yeah Wappingo organic rocks that's obvious that's the farm that i used to work on for starters yep. uh, and the water that i used to work on but they you know they've got gold medals from royal shows and so what produce best what sort of flora is do they grow on well they there's they've got a couple of different ones but there is a seagrass like a Mm. a seagrass that grows in there and Wappingo is a very small estuary uh, that is mostly surrounded by either wooded private property or state forest national park so its catchment is very pure uh, and there's no agriculture or anything in there and it also has an excellent amount of influence from from the mouth uh, picnic point, um, Bithry Inlet opening up. So they, I don't, I don't know, it's the secret sauce, but wow. they're good. <laughs> they're the um, best. That's awesome. <laughs> and so, as a chef, like, mm. what do you eat them just natural? Natural. Get, oh, so, but oh. you're not going to share any like. No. Cover him in Kilpatrick or anything. No, no, no. There's no, re- no. The, no. The only recipe or the only method that I would recommend for oysters is just knowing how to strike your own. Oh. Because if you do, if you came to visit the South Coast, the best oysters you'll get are unsharked. You've got it, and because it maintains all that liquor, yeah. you know, all that salt, salty brine that's in them. And even if you know you get them from the fish co-op or a good local butcher, sharked, it's just not the same. Well, um, so the big question with wine: mm. what do you like to enjoy your oysters with? Is wow. there a wine, or are you a beer yeah. guy? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've um, we over summer we you know when. We were having lots of guests and lots of celebrations. We drank most of ours with a um, Riverlands Prosecco. Oh, nice. So, yes, kind of like South Australian, Victorian border um, Prosecco, nice and dry. Uh, and there's little, you know, there's kind of little bits of... I'm really bad at describing wine. So you um, might be I'm, like, wait I'm, a second, that's like not... That's, no. that's nothing like a Prosecco. <laughs> you know, the dry, but with like the kind of like a bit of apple kind of sweetness to that it. That sounds lovely. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we find that that just, you know, really... Um, goes well with the with the oyster because the dryness kind of cuts through that because oysters you know especially in summer when they're in prime condition are quite fatty mm. as well so they get that really creamy mouthfeel uh, and the sharpness of the of the prosecco cuts through that beautifully but not doesn't overpower it to the point where you lose the the mineral finish on the oyster because when they're in really that prime summer condition you get the really fatty feel first you have some prosecco to kind of cut through that but the the mineral uh flavor of the oyster lingers for like 30 seconds or more especially the really good ones um i'm not even an oyster eater and um i'm feeling enticed oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, i my usually would have some but I've, stopped, I've just stopped working at the least so my oyster supply is dried up you've got to have some while yes, you're down here you've got to do it well my, my husband's had some so. yes. oh. <laughs> I will. I won't steal one of his because that's um, definitely sounds good. Yes, you got to do. So I understand you were born in the Hunter Valley, Correct. and you've lived in Melbourne and travelled around Tassie. So they're all got great wine regions. Have yes. you got a favourite wine region in Australia? I uh, having. I grew up in the opposite end of the Hunter Valley to the wine region. I was up at the kind of horse and mountain end. So to this day, I've never been to a cellar door in the Hunter Valley. <laughs> that's uh. <laughs> You know, and then when I moved to Newcastle and it was actually much closer, I was, you know, kind of a share housing, you know, student apprentice. Not so I didn't the time of your life. Yeah, exactly. It was you know, it was kind of just, just seemed beyond <laughs> Yeah, beyond my um, you know, financial abilities at that stage. But uh but then, you know, working in hospitality and becoming a chef uh, in my early twenties obviously gave me much better exposure to the world of wine and an appreciation for it. Yeah, I think the most the bulk of the wine that I drank 
before becoming a chef was out of a goon bag. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all did that yeah, when we were young. Don't worry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, you know. <laughs> but then, yeah, working in hospitality it definitely opened up my eyes to, to just how good wine can be. And I think that then when you're working in a restaurant context, you actually also get to try good wines. And if you don't have that... Um, education around it or an understanding of wines and it's kind of really nice to have someone else say here's a nice wine because when you just go to a bottle shop if you don't know you're, you're kind of going on the label yep, you're like oh that, yeah. you know the price and label you're like oh, i think i like this variety uh that label looks pretty jazzy yep. uh i'll take that one uh it's the right price but yeah then working in restaurants uh, and especially when we moved to Tasmania, the, we worked at a restaurant, my wife and I, called Smolt down there in Hobart. Um, and it was always flat out. And the, the owner had a really deep appreciation of wine uh, and a real focus uh, on Tasmanian wine. Not exclusively, but but a very, very strong Tasmanian wine list. And um, that really gave me the appreciation for colder climate red varietals. A lot of the ones that we um, kind of associate with being... Australian wines like those robust Hunter Valley Barossa Reds, but then grown in Tasmania, like a, a like a Tasmanian Shiraz, was so so much more accessible and open. You know, it was yeah. like it just the, the there was more for me and my untrained palate. Anyway, I could kind of get like I could see the or taste the flavors better because it didn't have that huge tannin hit to kind of navigate through as well. Yeah, it's a bit more subtle quite often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and the subtlety. So, the, you know, we, we had a strong focus on not just Tasmanian wine, wines, but the wines of the, the kind of Dermot, uh, Derwent Valley um, and the Coal, Coal Valley, which is just to the east. Uh, and so, yeah, like things like Frogmore Creeks, Excellent. you know, wine, which was... Um, a really delicious Pinot, and you love Tassie. Love Tassie. Yeah. We lived there. We, you know, we lived there for two years and really loved it. Um, and the other region that I'm really enjoying at the moment is the kind of Western Snowies, like Tumbarumba Tumut mm. around that area. Obviously, they were hit very hard. A lot of the producers over there by the um, black, you know, black summer fires. But the the wines that they were producing before that. Uh, well, it's similar, similar to that Tasmanian, you know, that yeah, cool, cool climate. and But maybe this bit more different again because the summers obviously get hotter on the Western Snowies than they do in Tasmania. So, but yeah, though, my two picks would be um, the kind of want the two regions, the two valleys around Hobart and the Western Snowies. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I also was seeing that you've done some episodes for Backroads on the ABC and you've traveled, so you've traveled fair, a fair bit. Can you tell us about one of your favorite places that you visited yeah. and also for people traveling around some mm. travel tips that you might have? Yeah, well, I, I'm actually about to go on another Backroad shoot tomorrow. Oh, fantastic. So like oh, great. Uh, we're going to the Air Peninsula to go from Port Lincoln to uh, Streaky Bay. So wow. I'm looking forward to that. For ten oh, days, but, and they'll have lots of the oysters. Down oh yeah, there, don't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. But there's a bit of a running joke uh, because they're Pacific oysters they cultivate over there, which are an introduced oyster, and uh, and as argued by any uh, farmer of the rock oyster, inferior. <laughs> <laughs> you won't say that on the show. So I'm sure that. Like a, I might have a bit of banter with one of the oyster farmers about it because they're usually they're pretty good value about it. it's all tongue in cheek. But oh, I really am just so lucky to have been offered that guest host role of Backroads because it's the best job ever uh, and getting to visit, you know, parts of Australia that I might not otherwise have a chance yeah. to visit or, you know, or I'd like to, but it just never eventuates. Um, I mean, they've all been, 
<laughs> they've all been incredibly memorable yeah. for their own own reasons. But I mean, the Dampier Peninsula, which is the Western Kimberley, uh, the peninsula that runs up above north of Broome, there was amazing. You know, red dirt, pindan dust, and and just yeah, incredible country, incredible people. Um, I think my biggest advice would be to people, uh, especially now that we've got this international travel ban happening, is don't underrate Australia, you know, mm. like don't, don't look at it as, you know, the, the kind of second place. We live on the oldest, oldest continent on earth. It's got so much diversity, you know, from deserts to mountains to like rainforests to the, the barrier reef, cold water to tropical water that, you know, it's, it's all there and people travel from all over the world to see Australia, yep, you know, that, that's a, a, a travel destination for people because they see the value in it. But when we grow up here, uh, we kind of go, oh, yeah, Australia, boring. Yeah. Uh, where's the culture? Older. It's like, yeah, oh, well, you know, no culture in Australia. Well, <laughs> you're not looking hard enough if mm. you can't find it uh, here in Australia. So, yeah, one, appreciate just how amazing and grand uh, Australia is. Oh, that's, yeah. and, and the second bit of advice would be just try to, try to talk to locals. And that's, the, um, and that's why back roads are so great because it's travel, but it's – really about the people that call these places home and um and conversing with them and finding out from their perspective what makes why are they there what's what makes that part of the world so spectacular and appealing to them because yeah if you look at it through the eyes of a local then often you'll you'll see details of beauty and appreciation that you might miss <laughs> yeah no we're a big fan of that show so that's, yeah, that's really cool. love back roads yeah. <laughs> You live on the south coast now in Bermakui and you've yes. got two young sons. I do. So if um, people are visiting the region, what's um, uh, one great thing to do with families? Well, if you... I mean, outside of the beach because the yeah. beach is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Well, that, okay, outside of the beach, uh, come down to Bermagui, um and I'd say they've definitely got to stop at the Bermagui Gelati Clinic. Oh, uh, right. That's, uh, that's a classic for, for people that visit. And really it's it's... It's kind of hard to say what to do if you take the beach out. I'd oh. say, well, not, not <laughs> that... in the region, yeah. Yeah, not that the beach is the only thing that we have on offer here, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's the natural landscapes of this place that make it so spectacular. Uh, and there are so many beaches. There yeah. are so many beaches, tiny little pockets in national parks that even in summer you can get onto a golden sand beach by yourself. Oh, wow. You know, wow. You don't have, you have much of that in many... Anywhere, yeah, really? Coast, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, on the That's east coast. Right. Yeah, you yeah. can do it in Western yeah, Australia yeah. or on south, you know, in South here. Australia. Yeah. But yeah, the, to to realise that the pocket, you know, of the most populous strip of our continent is still as kind of sparsely populated and wild and beautiful as it is down here is, I think it takes a lot of people by surprise. Mm-hmm. I think you know, the South Coast has always been a, a kind of or long been a kind of work forestry fishing kind of place and not hugely attractive to tourists but i think that identity is starting to change and especially given the um the international travel ban that i mentioned earlier a lot of people are coming here for the first time and going what like yeah. this is only five hours from sydney or three hours from canberra what i can't believe that this part of the world exists yeah um and also if you do come to Bermagui, we have got a really really good independent bottle shop <laughs> for a town of 2,000 people, you are so well looked after here. It's incredible. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, craft beers, fantastic wines. Because <laughs> there's a couple of wineries nearby. Do, do they sell the local wines? They do. Yeah, oh, they, great. Yeah, they stock Mimosa, uh, Mimosa Winery, and Rusty Fig are the two that are immediately around here in mm-hmm. Bermagui. Um, 
But yeah, no, they definitely you can get oh, their wines. Cool. Plus, yeah, they just they just really care about the wine they stock. Yeah. It's really a nice selection. Yes, oh, that's um big fan of supporting the independents yeah. for sure. Yeah, so well, we just great. yeah we can't. We're just so lucky to have a town this small, but have such a really heavy hitting bottle shop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's Thank you very much for your yeah. time. I really appreciate My it. My pleasure. So Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. <laughs> See, I told you he was so lovely. Now, everything that Paul has talked about is in the show notes. And if you do head to the Oyster Festival, an estuary platter and some Prosecco from the Bermagui Cellars bottle shop, and you run into Paul, tell him that you heard about it on the Wine Delast podcast. Happy travelling. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. You can also check out the podcast on YouTube to see pictures of the region. Go to winedelust.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also access wine selected for more travel information and wine deals. And Booktopia, where I get my travel and wine books from. Till next time, happy wine travels.